That is our prayer, Father. O holy King of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin, enter in, be born in us today. Amen. Do you take a seat? The story is told of a doctor who was doing his Christmas rounds on his ward. And there was a particular lady on his ward who was aware was very much alone at Christmas. She didn't know anyone, so he took a particular interest in her. And out of gratitude to uh, her doctor, she, she, each day she would give him a, a bag of almonds. And it would continue like this for weeks and weeks. Each day she, he came back, she would give him again a bag of almonds. And, and one day he was just astounded. He said, thank you so much. I, I really love these almonds. But, but what's the reason for your generosity? And she said, well, I don't really like almonds. But I really do like the chocolate they come covered in. <laughs> I wonder how many of us approach Christmas in a similar way. We, we like the sugary sweet outside, but we're not quite so bothered about the content. Uh, the comedian Milton Jones made a similar point recently. He, he compared Christmas to a party uh, which is advertised on Facebook. The whole world has turned up, but without really knowing whose person the party really belongs to. My aim over the next few moments, if you're up for this, is to discover whose party this really is. You may, be aware of, you may be aware of the saying, you can't spell Christmas without Christ. And if you try, you're just left with M&S, which is rather depressing, isn't it? <laughs> well, you'll see from your order of service, I have three questions for us to ask about Jesus. The one we've been singing about, the one we've had these readings about. And all the answers you'll discover in this little verse I put in a, in a box there. It's taken from Luke's Gospel, one of the historical accounts of Jesus' life. And let me read it for us again, just in that little box. It's, uh, if you remember, this is the angel speaking, God's heavenly messenger. He says this, Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Firstly then, who is he? Well, the heavenly messenger couldn't be much clearer, could he? He is the baby born in Bethlehem. It is none other than the long-promised king, the same king we, we heard prophesied by Isaiah and Micah in our readings. But he's not just a king. Did you notice the angel calls him the Lord? He is the Lord himself. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But it's, it's quite easy to understand, isn't it, how many people today still don't know who Jesus is. Because whilst he's very clearly declared to be God and King, it's not that obvious, is it? I just compare him to Caesar Augustus we met earlier in this chapter. Now, he looked like a king, didn't he? In fact, as Emperor of Rome, he would have been called himself a god as well. And to show everyone just how great and magnificent his empire was, he, he issued this decree of a census, forcing thousands of people to go to their own hometowns for registration. Thousands were made homeless simply because of his arrogant use of power. We're used to seeing politicians like that, aren't we, today? Uh, the comedian and activist Russell Brand wrote this in his book, Revolution. I don't know if you read it. He, he wrote this. The reason I don't vote, like a lot of people these days, is I don't see who I'm supposed to vote for. Miliband, Clegg, Farage, Cameron. They all come from the same schools. They all come from the same background. If these people are our leaders, 
if parliamentary democracy is going to be something that engages us, ordinary people, then it has to represent us. Now, it's ironic that Brand thinks he's an ordinary person. But what he says here does ring true. At this moment in time, we are massively disillusioned with those who rule us, aren't we? The feeling is that those in power don't know us. They don't represent us. They don't care about us. And the accusation is they're just using that power for themselves. But what sort of king is Jesus? Well, in great contrast to Caesar Augustus in his vast palace in Rome, this king was born in poverty. His parents were homeless immigrants. His bed was an animal's feeding trough. And as he grew up, he didn't lose his origins. He didn't lose his humility. He he used his considerable power, not to self-aggrandize, but to serve others. He, He made the blind see. He made the paralyzed walk. He made the dead come back to life again, thereby proving he is God. He is king. If you've never read one of these uh, gospel accounts, one of these historical eyewitness narratives of Jesus' life, let me commend them to you. There are a number on the desk at the back. Here you will find a king you want to follow, a ruler who will inspire your allegiance, a God worthy of your affection. Now, the, the village atheist amongst us will, of course, dismiss this immediately. They won't give us any time of day. God becoming man, heavenly messengers, a virgin birth. Are you serious? And maybe we, we kind of sympathize with that. There, there are certainly very strange elements to this story, aren't there? But then think about it for a moment. If, if our creator God were to become man, what would you expect to see? Accurately fulfilled prophecies. Cosmic signs, heavenly announcements, surely. No, it seems to me far stranger than believing in a virgin birth is believing in a virgin universe. One without cause or origin, one without purpose or design, just a cold, dark, empty world without goodness, without justice, without beauty. The good news of Christmas is that our creator has made himself fully known. We are not alone. We are not left guessing. And we are not without purpose. Who is Jesus? He is our God and our King. But our second question is this. Why did he come? Well, again, the heavenly messenger couldn't be clearer, could he? Look again at the verse. He says, do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Jesus came to save. But what do we need saving from? Well, no doubt you've given a lot of thought to your Christmas gifts so far. They're probably already lovingly wrapped up, nestled underneath the Christmas tree. Our tree here is pretty empty. I don't think anyone's getting me a gift this year. But imagine on Christmas morning, there you're, you're there with your, your friends and your family. And as you're handing out your gifts, without a word, they snatch them out of your hand and tear them open. You then spend the rest of uh, Christmas Day them in, ignoring you completely. They freeze you out of conversation over Christmas lunch. They don't even let you play the obligatory game of charades. 
You'd be rightfully angry, wouldn't you? Behaviour like that, well, it can destroy even the most stable of families. And yet that is, that is how we've treated our loving creator. We take our lives, we, we take our homes, we take our families, we take our jobs, our hobbies, our world. We like the gifts, we want the gifts, but we don't want the giver. This isn't just rude, this is criminal. We've snatched the crown off God's head and, and it's as though we live as if, as if we want to be king. Each of us say in our own hearts, I want to live my life, my way, without you. And the problem is, when a whole world lives as though they want to be king, it inevitably becomes the case that we end up fighting who gets to wear the crown. Our world was designed for peace, and yet what do we see on the newspapers? War. As the carol goes, O West Bank, town of Bethlehem, how still thy victims lie. The grieving deep, deprived of sleep, militiamen run by. For through thy dark streets rageth the never-ending fight. Such hopes and fears, such bitter tears are met in thee tonight. There's a homeless man who uh, lives on Oxford Street. He's there sitting with his dog and he's got one of those Santa hats on his head. And uh, at his feet is this sign which says, "Don't, don't just look down on me with pity. Do something. And our God, he didn't just look down and pity us. He came down and did something. If God thought our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he thought our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian. If he thought our greatest need was our health, he would have sent us a doctor. But God saw that our greatest problem was our rebellion against him, was our alienation from him, was our war with him and so he sent us a savior the story is told of a, a woman doing last minute christmas shopping in a crowded shopping center she's tired you can imagine her she's tired fighting through the crowd she's tired of standing in line all day most of all she's tired of every single shop playing the same stupid christmas songs on a loop she's fed up and the thing which broke the straw uh, broke the camel's back was that when she, she um, came to, to press the button on the lift, she wanted to get up to the next level. And as the doors of the lift pinged open, it was completely rammed. And people begrudgingly stepped backwards, gave her a bit of space in the lift, and so she squeezed in with all her bags, and her face was pressed up against someone's armpit. And as the doors closed, she lost it. She shouted out, whoever's responsible for this whole Christmas thing should be strung up, arrested, and shot. Awkward British silence. And then there was a voice at the back saying, actually, I think you find they already crucified him. See, from the word go, that was Jesus' plan. To be born among us, to live among us, and then to die for us. Exchanging the crown of heaven for a crown of thorns, he bore the punishment that you and I deserve. He took our hell in order that we might have heaven. He took our war in order that we might enjoy peace with our creator. So why did Jesus come? He came to save. Finally then, how should we respond? I don't know, it might be you wouldn't normally bracket yourself as someone who would normally respond to these sorts of things. Surely this is just for the religious types. You know, the sort of people who inexplicably are really into these sorts of things. 
but you couldn't be more wrong. Just look one more time at the angel's announcement. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You might expect that the announcement of the birth of the Son of God, first of all, the angels would go to the important people, right? That you would go to the kings, you go to the prophets, you go to the priests. You go for that sort of top class of society. That's probably what you and I would do. But um, no. Luke is at pains to tell us that the first people to receive this good news weren't important, weren't religious. They were shepherds. Now, on our Christmas cards, we have a nice sort of sentimental view of shepherds, don't we? They always have gentle smiles. They always have pristine robes. always have, like, ice-white sheep. And for some reason, unreasonably kempt beards. Who knew? But in first-century Palestinian culture, these guys were the very bottom rung of society. They were right down there with tax collectors and, and dung sweepers. They were hard men. They were outsiders. They were nobodies. But if Jesus is the saviour of the whole world, then he's their saviour. And if he's their saviour, then he's my saviour. And he's your saviour. So how should we respond? Well, we shouldn't respond with fear. The angel says to the shepherds, do not be afraid. When Hannah and I lived in, in Dagnum, our, our church used to run this sort of annual carol service with the, the local school, a bit like a HPSD up the road. And I remember how, how parents had almost had to sort of psych themselves up, even to enter our building. A, a, a number of parents would have to have a number of cigarettes to calm their nerves before crossing the threshold. One mum would drop off her kids, and then for the entire hour stand outside in the cold. She was terrified of coming in. So many people approach Christian things with that sort of fear and trepidation, because they imagine in their heads that they must somehow first fit a certain moral or religious or social profile. They, they think Jesus wouldn't be interested in me. The things I've done, the things I've said, the things I let run through my mind. But this is probably the way the shepherds felt. But the angel says, no, do not be afraid. Christianity is not about somehow climbing your way up to God. That would only lead to guilt and fear. No, it's about God himself coming down to save us. And as the angel says, that is good news. That should be met, not with fear, but great joy. If our natural, emotional response to this news is not joy, then may I humbly suggest that you haven't even begun to understand it yet. Because there is no greater news than this. That our creator himself would enter into our creating, creation. And then die for us in order to restore us to him. I think it was just over a hundred years ago now when British soldiers were forced to spend Christmas Eve in the trenches in World War I. I think after only four months of fighting, more than a million men had perished in that war. Their bodies scattered in, in no man's land. But on December the 24th, 1914, in the very middle of a freezing battlefield in France, a miracle happened. British troops began hearing the sound of carols, silent night, sort of drifting across the trenches. Calls of Merry Christmas began to be shouted in different languages between enemies. 
and disobeying their officers' orders. Some of them then walked into the middle in order to exchange cheap gifts. And they even had a game of football. I believe Germany won on penalties. It's an estimated that around 100,000 soldiers laid down their weapons that night. And what caused that? Well, it was the reminder of our God-becoming man that brought that peace. But the tragedy is, come Boxing Day, they were shooting at each other again. I wonder how many of us have a sort of similar truce with God. We, we show some signs of peace at Christmas, only to take up arms again in the new year, continuing to take his gifts, but ignoring him, the giver. Jesus came in order to save us from the consequences of that, to win us an eternal peace with God, one that begins now and goes on for all eternity. Friends, if you've understood this message, the right response is joy. Well, as I close, let me encourage us just to do a few things. Firstly, on the way out, you'll, you'll see one of these books. It's called um, Are You Ready for Christmas? These are free. I'd love you to take this away, completely free of charge, and, and it will just go over again some of these, these ideas of what the Christian faith is about. You might be interested also in, in taking one of, these, one of these gospels, one of these eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. But in the back page of your service sheet, you'll see at next term we're running a course called Life Explored. And this is a short course where you can ask all of your hard questions about life, the universe, and everything, and get an answer. You can investigate for yourself the claims of Jesus. Let me commend that to you. A number have found that very helpful in the past. If you're interested in that, do email me. My email's there, or you can fill in a little card at the back. If you're here with a friend tonight, can I commend you to ask them what it is that drew them to put their faith in Jesus? And often that's a very insightful thing. Maybe you've known your friend as a Christian for a number of years, but you've never actually worked out why. Well, why not use tonight to ask them that? And if, uh, if you're here and you've brought a friend and they haven't asked you, why not volunteer that information to them? But finally, it might be there are some here tonight who feel now is the time to respond. That tonight is the night to do something about this God and King who entered our world. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. A prayer to acknowledge him as our God and King. A prayer to ask for forgiveness for the way we treated him. And a prayer to accept that salvation which he won for us at the cross. To acknowledge, to ask, and to accept. And it may be, in the quietness of your own heart, you would like to pray that prayer prayer with me. Let us uh, bow our heads and let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son into this world. We acknowledge him as our God and King. But we're sorry for the way in which we treated him, taking our good gifts but ignoring him, the giver. Father, we ask for forgiveness. Please forgive us. And seeing this salvation which you came, Father, we accept this salvation, one for us at the cross. Please help us to put our trust in him. And live with him as our God and King. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please do come chat with me afterwards. I'd love to meet you. We're going to close our time together by singing my favourite carol. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Let's stand and sing. <laughs>